The scripture reading for this afternoon in connection with our Lord's Day today is taken from Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and we'll be reading the section of narrative which deals with the work of the evangelist Philip. And you'll be able to find that on page 1263 of your pew Bible. Acts chapter 8, the verses 26 to 40. Today we'll be focusing especially on the work of the Holy Spirit. As we have come to this point in our examination of the Apostles' Creed through the Heidelberg Catechism. Now, at this point in time, the martyr Stephen has, has breathed his last. He was stoned to death just prior, and this was before the time of the Apostle Paul's conversion. He was still named Saul at this point in time. And he was one of the ones who was busy dragging off men and women to prison. And yet this didn't slow down the church. By the power of the Spirit, they were emboldened to continue to carry out and pre- the Word of God, preaching the Word in many villages. And we come to Acts chapter 26, where it deals specifically with one such evangelist, Philip. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I? How can I? Unless... Someone guides me. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. 
But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. So far, the word of God. We'll also be reading together from Lord's Day 20, which you'll be able to find on page 534 of your book of praise. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, He is, together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, He is also given to me to make me, by true faith, share in Christ and all His benefits, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. So far. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, those of you who are familiar with the Reformed background of our churches will likely be familiar with the name John Calvin. John Calvin was a reformer from the 1500s who called the Roman Catholic Church back to the Word of God to hold to it faithfully. Under the teaching that took place at his academy in Geneva, thousands of young students were equipped and spurred on to take the gospel across Europe. To give you a bit of a picture of the impact that he had, and I know that many of you young people here who were at the assembly will be familiar with this, to give you a bit of a picture of the impact that he had, in 1555 there were five Protestant churches in France. By 1559, four years later, there were more than a hundred. By 1562, that is seven years later, 2,150 churches were planted in France with the support of the Genevan consistory. 862 of those were established churches, with the rest of them being preaching points. And that was just in France alone. Now, despite the incredible amount of work that this man had done, and despite the fact that he, his teaching was hugely influential, he was still a weak man. He confessed that himself that he struggled with his temper. He struggled with many physical ailments as well. His health was constantly a point of suffering for him. But even so, this man was used as a powerful instrument in the hand of God. Now, many of you here today will be familiar with his story. But what you'll probably not be as familiar with is the fact that John Calvin was considered by many to be the Pentecostal of his day. Of course, this was not in the sense that we see Pentecostalism today. Pentecostalism today is a recent development having its roots in the Azusa Street Revival of 1906. Before that, there was very little of what looks like modern Pentecostalism. But it was John Calvin who, among the many other things that he did, really put the work of the Holy Spirit on the map once again in the Christian world, in his many written works. And because of this, he was actually nicknamed John Calvin, the theologian of the Holy Spirit. Influenced by Calvin, 
We have in our catechism today a rich collection of references to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. 27 by my count, starting right at Lord's Day 1. This is because, as a rule, historically the Reformed Church has had a very high view, a very strong view of who the Holy Spirit is, a view that is grounded on the pages of Scripture. But aside from the fact of how we see it historically, how often do we personally consider the work of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit? How often do we consider who He is and what role He plays in our salvation? Today we'll consider this and we'll examine this as we look through the person and work of the Holy Spirit through the lens of our Lord's Day. And we'll take a look at the passage that we looked at today under the following theme and points. God the Holy Spirit. We'll see first of all the person, second the work, and finally the comfort. One of the first things to recognize when we are talking about the Holy Spirit is that we are not just talking about a thing. Article 11 of our Belgian Confession puts it well when it says, in order, he is the third person of the Holy Trinity, of one and the same essence, majesty, and glory with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God, as the Holy Scriptures teach us. He is a person of the Trinity, He is unique in his work. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, yes, and we can see that from passages like John 14, verses uh, 15 to 26, John 15, verse 26, and more, but we won't get into those today. What we'll focus on today in particular is the fact that he is, together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. So what makes us so sure of the fact that he is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God? We can see some small part of that in the passage that we read today. The word of God says, Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. In our passage today, we can see how the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip. This was not God speaking through something else. The Holy Spirit speaking here is no different from the Father speaking to the Son at the time of his baptism in Matthew 3, or the Son himself speaking to the disciples. This was the third person of the Trinity speaking. Now, this might seem obvious to many of you who are here in the pew today, but it's something that's actually rejected by many in the world. Muslims do not believe in the Holy Spirit as God. Jehovah's Witnesses reject the Holy Spirit, seeing Him as little more than God's active force in creation. Christadelphians and other Unitarians also reject the Holy Spirit as God. They describe the Holy Spirit as a power. But we know the Holy Spirit as one who is fully there, present and involved with the people of God. 
He is one who speaks in person to the people in Scripture. This Spirit who speaks to Philip in our passage here today is the same Spirit who we read in Ephesians 4 verse 30 can suffer grief and who seals us for the day of redemption. This is the same Holy Spirit whom Ananias and Sapphira lied to in Acts chapter 5. You can't grieve a power. You can't lie to a power. The Holy Spirit is not just a power. He's not just an it or a thing. The Holy Spirit is He. He is a distinct member of the Trinity. He is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Recognizing this, consider how amazing it is for a moment that the Holy Spirit himself spoke to Philip. God the Holy Spirit, we see here, walked by Philip's side. God the Holy Spirit provided him with what he needed. And God the Holy Spirit worked powerfully through him. And this brings us to consider the work of the Holy Spirit. So we see the Holy Spirit interacting with Philip in our passage today. But what does the Holy Spirit actually do? What's his role in the Trinity? We read in the Heidelberg Catechism that he is given to me to make me by true faith share in Christ and all his benefits, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. By looking at our passage today, we are able to see this being worked out. So what do we see for a moment? Our passage introduces us to an Ethiopian eunuch. This is a man who is a well-respected servant of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And it seems that this eunuch was a God-fearer. So, being named a God-fearer, this means that he wouldn't be in the same category as the rest of Jews. He wouldn't himself be descended from the Jews, but he is one who still respects Jewish traditions and who still believes in the God of Israel. We can see his devotion to the God of Israel in the fact that he was willing to come all the way to the temple from Ethiopia. And what's even more striking is the fact that as a eunuch, he would not have been allowed to enter into the temple grounds. Because of the fact that he was a eunuch, he would not be allowed to enter in. But his love and respect for God was so great that merely to be in the presence of God's people and to be near the place where God had shown his people on earth, that he was, he was present with them. That was enough for him. Being in charge of the treasury, he would have been in a very important position. And there would have been many things on his mind that could have kept him busy. Calculations, polit political maneuverings, counting up the money. But today, we see this man showing his love for the Lord in the fact that he's not just keeping busy with the affairs of state as he's busy traveling back home from Jerusalem. 
Instead, he's taking this time on the road to read from the Word of God. And here is where the work of the Holy Spirit comes in. Here is where it comes in powerfully. In John 15, verse 26, Jesus tells us, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Note these words for a moment. Jesus is telling us that the Holy Spirit will bear witness to him on the pages of Scripture. The Holy Spirit works as a spotlight, not drawing attention to himself, but drawing attention to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, how does he do that with a man who is just reading through the Old Testament? Because Jesus' name is never mentioned specifically and directly in the Old Testament. He was somebody who was a modern-day figure in the mind of this Ethiopian. And so he would not have sprung to mind from it for him. So where do we find our Ethiopian? Having opened the Word of God, he's reading on the road. And he's reached a point in his passage that has become confusing for him. He's working his way through the scroll of Isaiah and he's reading out loud as was common for people back in the day. They didn't read silently like we do as we're quietly sitting in a corner with a book. They would always read out loud. That was the most common way to read anything across the, across the Roman world. So he's, he's sitting here being carried along back to Ethiopia and he's reading out loud from Isaiah and he reaches Isaiah 53. This place in Scripture says he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And he's sitting there thinking, okay, who is this he? As a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. Many people in the past had read that passage And we know many people in the future would read it as well. Generation upon generation of Jews have read that passage, that exact same passage that that Ethiopian eunuch was reading right up to this present day. And yet it was in this moment to this man who would have been kept from entering into the temple grounds itself that God chose to reveal his grace. God chose to open the eyes of this man to the scriptures to impress this particular passage on his heart. And then he uses Philip to make it plain to him. Knowing the future before it happens, God arranges to have Philip walking down the same road in order to meet this eunuch. And as he sees this man sitting and reading, the Holy Spirit tells him that he must overtake this chariot and speak to him. The Holy Spirit has chosen to work faith in the heart of this man. He's chosen to open this man's heart to receive the gospel. And now he's chosen Philip as the instrument who will explain the gospel message so that this man will hear, believe, and be saved. The Holy Spirit does the same for each and every single one of us who believe. 
He may not bring one of the eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus running up to us as we're moving through traffic from point A to point B, but he does speak in our lives through other believers who point us to God's word. He brings us teachers and preachers, but he also brings us fellow brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And in the word of God, we have salvation through Jesus Christ revealed to us. All of this is thanks to the work of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus himself stated, he will teach you all things. He will take what is found in the words of Scripture and he will make it clear to you. The Holy Spirit is the one who has chosen to use these people as instruments in our lives. And the Holy Spirit... By, his wor- by these words works faith in our hearts so that we may believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. He's the driving force behind our faith. Isn't that amazing, beloved? That the third member of the Trinity would take a special interest in you who believe and open your heart to hear and respond to the word of God. But he doesn't just stop there. Being joined to Jesus Christ through this faith which the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, the Holy Spirit also allows us to share in Christ and all his benefits. This means that we may enjoy release from slavery to sin, being brought from death to life spiritually, eventually being brought from death into life physically, and living and reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ eternally. And this is what we see witnessed in the baptism of this Ethiopian eunuch. As he is immersed in the water and he's raised up again, we see that representation of him being brought from death, from the watery grave, back to life again. This is the new life that he's granted in Jesus Christ. And with this new life, comes an incredible comfort because comforter is the name of the Holy Spirit and that is the third point that we'll be looking at today. So you boys and girls as you were looking at this particular story that we read about in scripture this true story of this man named Philip how many of you were a little bit jealous when you heard that the Holy Spirit was talking directly to Philip. That he could speak so easily and comfortably with God. And that God spoke so clearly to him. How many of you, when reading this, wished that you could have the Holy Spirit speaking to you and being as near to you as Philip did? One of the great comforts of the gospel is that the Holy Spirit is as near to you as he was to Philip. Does he speak to you in the same way that he spoke to Philip? No. God spoke to Philip in the way that he did because these people did not have the New Testament yet. He spoke using Philip. 
to share the gospel with this Ethiopian eunuch because the Ethiopian eunuch didn't have the pages of the New Testament to look back on and figure out, oh, this is what the Old Testament is talking about. In the Old Testament, there were, as the book of Hebrews says, shadows that pointed to Christ. But with the coming of Christ, we have the real thing. What the New Testament teachers and evangelists and authors were doing was proclaiming Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. That is to say, they were telling people all about Jesus being the one who puts an end to the sacrifices because he has done it once and for all. And through whom you are saved. We need no new revelation for our salvation. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit talks, stops talking to us. We don't need any new scriptures. We don't need any new Bible pages. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit stops talking to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us now through the Bible. Every time that you open up the Bible and you recognize it, you see it as the Word of God, you believe it as the Word of God, and you are willing to open your heart and listen to it, to believe. The Holy Spirit is working in your life, and He's speaking into your life. This is why the Bible was so important to reformers like John Calvin. This is why the work of the Holy Spirit was so important to, the work, to reformers like John Calvin as well. And that's why it's so important to us today, because by the promises of the Bible, we find the true source of our comfort, Jesus Christ. We don't need mystical experiences in order to find this comfort. We don't need an outside voice speaking to us to tell us that we belong to Him. Everything we need for our comfort and for our encouragement is already here in His Word. And as we read it, as we open it and read it, we hear the words of the Spirit of God speaking to us. Even though we don't have the Holy Spirit speaking to us in the same way that Philip did, it doesn't mean that he's any further away from believers today than he was from Philip. If anything, it means that we are more privileged than believers in that day because we have the fullness of God's revelation in the Old and New Testament. This is something that the believers in the New Testament didn't have. How can we know that the Holy Spirit is just as close to us as he was to Philip? Well, for proof of this, we can look to passages like 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 to 20. There we read, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and, are not your, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. 
Just as we saw this morning that we, as a Christian community, are being built together as living stones into a temple for worship, we are, in some small ways, temples of the Holy Spirit ourselves as well. And this is because the Holy Spirit himself lives in us. He is close to you. He's in you. And if you truly do believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's him who worked that faith in you, and he will remain with you for forever. Are you lonely? Are you anxious? Do you need wisdom? Are you sad? Open your Bible and hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to you. He is living in you. Open your Bible. Read what he has to say in his words. Study his word. Soak it in. He is there speaking to you. Humble yourself in his sight before his word and he will lift you up. And he does even more than just lift you up as you listen to him speak through the word. He will equip you with the gifts that he pours out. He will strengthen you, beloved, so that you, in turn, can strengthen those around you. You may not be John Calvin. You may not be the evangelist Philip, who with all of this persecution around him still boldly walks his way up the coastal road from Azotus, or the city of Ashdod, where he was left, all the way up to Caesarea, way north of Israel, proclaiming the gospel of salvation to everybody in every city that he runs across. That might not be you. But you can still learn from the deep appreciation of these men for the work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. You may not be used to change Europe, but under that very same word, you can and you will still be used powerfully in your own home, with your siblings, as, as parents over your children, in your own community, and in your own church family as an instrument of the Lord your God. Because God the Holy Spirit, who is with you and living in you, is working through you. In him you're never alone. Hold tightly to his words to you and take comfort in them, knowing that your triune God will never leave you or forsake you, all for the sake of Jesus Christ, his Son. Amen.